I'm Richard. I'm Cartoonist Will. And together we're the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds. <laughs> hey, nerds. So, welcome to a special edition of the Irreverent Nerd Podcast. We have two guests tonight, actually. My daughter is here because uh, my wife asked me to hold her. So, <laughs> if, you, if you hear some noise off to the side here, uh, it's not me. I'm not a ventriloquist. It's my daughter. And we have a special guest with us, uh, Will's longtime friend, Dan Johnson. And I am going to let Will introduce his friend and tell us a bit about him and what we're going to talk about today. Well, I've known Dan Johnson for, I don't know how long we've known each other, 2007, I can't remember, but I've known Dan Johnson maybe 09 for a long time now. He's a comic writer and a uh, uh, pop culture historian. He's written... A lot of different stuff. Um, he's written some gags for Dennis and Menace. He's written at least one story for Mark's Trail. He's written, um, I have some of his trade paperbacks and a manga here that he's written. Uh, he writes for a back issue magazine. Uh, did you say Scary Monster? Oh, magazine? Scary Monsters Magazine. Yeah. Right. I just wanted to make sure I got the name right. Uh, he's been the editor of a lot of different uh, small town publishing companies. Charlton Neo was an assistant editor, Empire Comics Lab. Um, and what is your exact title? At, uh, I just assumed you're editor, <laughs> but uh, I'm doing some work for Dan at uh, Redline Comics Studio as well. Technically, editor and head writer and cat wrangler. I, I'm the one that handles the artists and well, that was the everybody together. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'm the guy that knocks on your door and says, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? <laughs> That's me. Not done, Dick. We'll, 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 we'll attest. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm a hard cat. I've ever I'm, had. <laughs> I know. Other people would have fired me. No. But uh, I've done a lot of work. Uh, Dan and I have done a lot of work together over the years. Not nearly as much as I'm sure we would have hoped, but, uh, you know, we try. Together. I mean, Dan is very prolific, you know. I'm... So uh, should we get into the interview questions, or what should we do now? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I just wanted to comment on the weirdness of the situation. <laughs> so we tried several different audio setups, and... Uh, this is the only one that would work properly with oh, Zoom. Oh, yeah, I forgot people. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not just that Will and I wanted to get close. We do. But um, it's, uh, you know, so. But I thought that was kind of funny because, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about indie comics or independent comics. Or would alternative comics be another potential term? Or is indie the official, like, independent I go with I go with just comics and I I, I don't make a hey. distinction. There is comics. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I guess by independent, I would just mean like it's not DC, it's not Marvel, it's not Dark Horse, like your big time that a lot of people know about. It's your lesser known or your local or, um, and part of what we're going to talk about with Dan tonight is like we're going to give him a chance to make a case. Like, why should people read these? Like, as opposed to. DC not necessarily in place of DC and Marvel but like why should you expand your horizons like as a comic book reader beyond just superhero comics beyond just DC Marvel uh so that's one topic we're going to hit on tonight but uh first uh Dan if you I, I thought you could um just tell us a bit about how your love for comics started 
Well, it's it's been a lifelong love. I um, I bought my first comic books when I was seven years old. I still remember them. They were uh, Superman Family number one eighty eight, Super uh, Super Team Family number fifteen, and the nineteen seventy seven Fantastic Four annual. Uh-huh. And after I picked those comic books up, I was infatuated. I um, I read through those books in one afternoon, and I started realizing. I mean, I always loved superheroes. I've been a big fan of like. Uh, the Batman uh, TV series, Adam West, uh, Super Friends, uh, the Spider-Man cartoons that were out in the 60s, they were rerunning them on our local television station. And I'd always loved superheroes, and I found the comic books, and this was, this was great because this is something I could uh, read anytime I wanted to. I didn't have to wait for it to come on television. And at some point, I started realizing, you know, someone got paid to do this. Someone got paid to write these stories. Somebody got paid to draw these stories. And I thought that's the only career I, that's the only career I ever wanted. I from that point on, I initially started out wanting to be an artist and found that I didn't quite have the technical skills for it. But I did find I, I could write very well. And doing my own comic books as a kid, I learned the value of layout, of doing um, knowing how important it is to do a page and how it should look in my mind, and presenting that to the artist. And that it is, it is something that I always tell people, if you want to write, you need to learn the medium because being a writer for like short stories or prose or novels, uh, script writing uh, for film or television, or even doing a comic book is a totally different animal. You have to know uh, how each one is going to be presented and you have to learn to be able to each one properly because there are comic book writers I know that cannot do prose fiction and they can't do scripts, but I also know script writers that can't do comic book script to save their lives. So you have to learn to be able to, to go back and forth between those. And it, it is a totally different skill set. But no, like I said, with, uh, with me, I, uh, I fell in love with comic books since I was a kid. And if you ask me when I was seven years old, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to make comic books. If you ask me now at 52, I'm going to tell you, I want to make comic books. That's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. That's really cool. I did want to marry uh, Jacqueline Smith at one point. I'm not giving up on that <laughs> yet, but I'm trying to go for realistic. So, you know. And by the way, she actually sees this. I hope you got the flowers. By all means, please take me up on the invitation. I'm, I'm sincere. I'm sincere. I'm not just, you know. I got the letter from the lawyer. I understand. And I'm, I'm cool with it and everything. I'm, I'm staying away, but I'm just saying. Give me a shot. I'm just saying. Go to McDonald's with me. You get the full. I'll get you the super size meal. I promise. Hey, you never know. Like, according to Anchor, we have at least 63 unique listeners in the past week. So, you know, as we're ramping up, hey, you never know. It's better than the first date my dad took my mom on. He just took her to the gas station and had hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Will Will can also tell you that I don't have a serious bone in my body. So if you you came here for serious discussion, you're going to get that, but you're also going to get some bad jokes and some bad puns. So, uh it's been warm, so it's dropping tight. That's right, and it, like we do, we do. But any serious we have here is always with a dash of irreverence, hence hence our name. So there's got to be a little bit of sarcasm, you know, a little bit of satire in there. I mean, we both love The Simpsons, so I yeah. mean, you know, come on. So yeah. <laughs> I trusted him. Yeah, he did. He introduced me to The Simpsons. Uh, I didn't watch it growing up. My parents were kind of conservative and, and didn't let me watch the Simpsons growing up. 
uh, which might have been a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> Hard to say. But um, I got into it. The scary thing is I, I was watching Simpsons by that time. My, my parents, my, my father had already passed away and my mom didn't care what I watched. I mean, I was in college. So I'm like, wow. Okay. You guys are young, but that's all right. That's okay. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I think it was the Simpsons movie. It was actually the first Simpsons I saw. Like you got me into that. And then I got hooked for, for a while there and uh, went on like a, a year or so binge of like an interesting first uh interaction with the simpsons yeah like mm-hmm. well i would i would rent uh back when um video stores still existed <laughs> i would rent a whole season uh from video store and uh and watch it like all the way through in like five days so yeah yeah the early stuff especially is uh, up until the point that lost phil hartman i think that is like some of the mm-hmm. less animated stuff you're going to find out there and I think after the movie, I think didn't they go digital? Like the like movie digital was art. The first digital at least. Like I, I mean, obviously still still hand drawn, but on a computer instead of at least it seemed that way, like after the movie. Like yeah. So you could definitely tell the difference between between the seasons there. Now I've got questions for you, Dan, but I'm not sure exactly what point of the uh, interview I should ask them. <laughs> no problem. Like I said, you get, whatever you guys want to know, just fire away. I'm 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 here to answer questions. Well, you go ahead with your first one. Hit. Nothing. Nothing off the table. Well, I guess <laughs> things don't have to be in any sort of chronological order. Uh, now, obviously, with the pandemic, me and you, we haven't really been able to catch up that much uh, in a few years. Haven't been able to hang out. So uh, we're doing Redline Comic Studio now. Um, well. That is terrible. Dude oh, just no. told us that they were going to cut us off in 10 minutes because we need to upgrade. I'm in. I guess we better upgrade. <laughs> that sucks. I don't have Zoom Pro. <laughs> okay, Dan. So we, we might have to do the audio uh, version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, should we just give Dan the floor and let him like tell us his entire life career in 10 minutes? Or what should we do? <laughs> oh, dang. So this sucks. I'm, I'm sorry, Dan. Yeah, this is our first time trying a long, a long Zoom recording, so... No problem. Cool. Did not realize that would happen. We might have to restart it as audio only. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, can you can you guys edit it together, or you know, like re, re, you know, just like edit it together and, and post or? Oh yeah, well, I'm sure we could. Possibly, we probably have to start a, a new meeting for each twenty minute segment. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. That could be that could be fun. You guys like part one, part two, part three. I, I, that's that's cool. I like that. I guess we could try. We'll have to edit this part out, obviously. <laughs> I um, leave it in. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. We do leave in some some uh, kind of fun stuff, you know, just like um well, I guess we'll keep talking for now until until the uh we got eight minutes and 30 seconds left. <laughs> well, Dan, uh, when and what was your first writing job for comics? First writing job? Um, actually, that would have been probably... First one First one I was hired for. Uh, that would be Herc and Thor. That was the first one I was hired oh, cool, for. Cool, cool. And I've got this right here, by the way, for everybody watching Herc and Thor. Yes. One of my personal favorites, definitely. 
what happened was is that I was uh, working for um, I told some articles to come with Marketplace, which unfortunately is a magazine that's it's gone under since then. Um, I submitted articles to them, and about a year after I submitted some stuff, I got a letter from one of their editors saying, um, such and such article, it was an article about the Archie television pilot, it was made in the 60s, and they're like, okay, we, we cleared us for this issue coming up and everything, but we need to check on billing address and all, and why hasn't so-and-so gotten in touch with you? And I was like, first of all, I didn't realize you guys were, were, were publishing it. Second of all, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Third of all, does it pay? Uh, they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to pay you something for it. Uh, we, need to, we need to get some information. So I talked to them about that. And after it was published, I asked them, well, could you guys, are you guys looking for other articles? And they're like, yeah, we're always looking for new writers. If you want to do interviews, awesome. by all means, you know, look for the interviews, look for some articles. And so I ended up doing several, several pieces for them. And at the time, I was basically looking for any writing jobs I could. I was looking for, for comic book writing jobs. And I ended up contacting uh, Rob Espinosa at Antarctic Press, and I had sent him uh, some stuff for, uh, for, uh, for, for Antarctic Press. I was looking for stuff, and they were like, well, we don't have anything at this time. We're not looking for writers, and most people would have been like, well, you know what? Forget you. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm never going to talk to you guys again. You guys can't do anything for me, but I came back, and I said, well, look, uh, I'm working for Common Marketplace. If you guys have anything you want to pitch, let me know. Maybe I can do an article about it. I'll make some money to get you guys some publicity. We'll see what we can do. And they were like, cool, we'll do that. Two weeks later, I got a, an email from Rod saying, uh, you know, actually, now that I think about it, we do have something. We, 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 need, awesome. we need a writer for it. And would you be willing to, uh, to look at it? And I said, sure. So they sent me a one-page uh, outline for Herc and Thor. And they basically said, we need you to hit this beat, this beat, and this beat. Everything else you make up as you go along. So I said, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I ended up ended up doing it and uh, just just had a blast uh, having fun with it because I, I was a big fan of the Mighty Thor from Marvel Comics. And I thought, what if we turned it around instead of Thor being the straight man and Hercules being the comic relief? What if we made Thor the comic relief, made Hercules the straight uh, man? I like and it. I just I just, I said I had fun with it. And like I said, I wrote a sequel to it and I pitched it to them, but unfortunately they never took me up on it. I still love to do it though, because I love the characters. I do too. And for those at home, I just found out before this recording, I didn't even know that sequel existed. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh Urgan Thor two, Electric Boogaloo. Is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is it a manga style right to left or is it just Left oh, it's 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 in manga style, but it it's uh, it's left to right. Left to right, okay. yeah. But it's like kind of similar size to your normal, and it's black and white. Yeah, it looks really cool. Like, You'd be reading it from the back cover if it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Japanese. true. Japanese, true. Is there a Japanese translation? <laughs> unfortunately, no. It's, yeah. There's there's no Japanese translation, unfortunately. Which is what? Nice. I'd love to see no. if they did. <laughs> no, it's Nani. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. But that was the that was the first job I had, and uh, along the along the way with working for Comic Marketplace, I got Back Issue Magazine, which is edited by Michael Yuri, who's worked for uh, DC Comics and Dark Horse. Uh, Michael inherited Ambush Bug from Julie Schwartz, really, the last editor on Ambush Bug. Okay, well, when you say he inherited, what do you mean? He inherited the editor job, or what did he inherit on Ambush Bug? Oh, he inherited the, the job. When, when Julie Schwartz retired, oh, okay. they needed somebody to work with Keith Gipping. And 
apparently Michael was out of the room at the time when they suggested that. So he, he got he got the job. <laughs> Did you want the job? <laughs> Keep giving if you guys don't know who he is. He is like I uh, met Michael once and I'm sorry I didn't know how prolific he, he was at the time. I just knew that he was behind back issue. Unfortunately, that's all I knew. Michael is one of those guys that when you meet him, he has got such an amazing career in, in comics. And he has done so much in terms of pop culture. Besides Back Issue, he does uh, Retro Fan Magazine, which I, I've also written for. He's written several books for Tomorrows. And the great thing about Michael is, is that when you talk to him, he has no ego about him at all. He's, he's just like the most down-to-earth type of guy you could ever want to meet. And he's always more interested in finding out what you're doing as opposed to bragging about what he's doing. Oh, that's cool. And like I said, he's just like the best editor you could ever have to work for. He's right. just, just super nice. No, that's not true, Dan. You're the best editor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Well I, well, I learned from Michael. Michael taught me my only editor. how to be a good editor. So, Well, that's not true. I guess Dave knows my editor is indelible, but it's not about me. So I'm just <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess that'd be a follow-up question. Um, at what point did you start uh, dipping your toes in the river of editing, if you will? Yeah. That would have probably been, I think, when I, was, when, I was, when I do my own stuff, I always like to go back and edit through at least once or twice. My, my golden rule is when I write something, I like to sit on it for about three or four days and then come back and look at it again before submitting it. Um, I know some writers will send the first draft in, and that's never a good idea. Even if you're Alan Moore, I would never recommend you sending a first draft <laughs> in. Because trust me, there's some stuff in there you want to change. Oh, yeah. And, and we'll catch it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've, I've I've cut I've cut mistakes even in like mainstream novels and such. I was like, oh, they missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, I wanted to do that for myself because, like I said, I I learned to edit my own stuff, and then I had friends that wanted to, you know, I'd give advice to. And the first opportunity I had to really sit down and do um, editing on a comic book was uh, Cemetery Plots with the uh, Empire Comics Lab, uh, the comic. It Empire Comics Lab. It's it's an interesting um story behind that because we we had a friend of ours on facebook that basically posted saying i, I hear everybody griping and complaining about you can't get published or you can't make comic books and like why can't you do it yourself and he threw down the gauntlet and said why don't you guys go out there and make comic books and empire comics Live was born of that because we had a bunch of guys who were sitting around going you know we want to do comic books we want to make comics they got the right idea and everybody's looking at each other going how do you do it where do you start? <laughs> and I, I pitched the idea of doing cemetery plots because I said, well, horror is always a good genre to look at. Uh, horror always sells. Uh, horror is something that people will buy. The, you're always going to find an audience for it. But also because you can do horror in black and white. At the time, everybody was obsessed about, can you do color? Can, you, can we do it in color? What, you know, how much is it going to cost? I but said, then... if you do it in black and white, it's going to be fine because black and white lends itself to, to, to the horror genre apologies here dan uh we got we're running out of time on on this i was gonna 20, ask you 20 minute limit you. here so i'm gonna end this and then we'll we'll come back and and restart here in just a couple minutes okay thanks no problem man. today's episode of the irreverent nerd podcast has been brought to you by duff beer don't just sit on your duff Get in the bar and drink some beer. 
That means you too, Homa. And we're back, and we look different because you didn't know we were on a boat in the Bermuda Triangle recording that first segment, and the second segment was lost. Dan can tell you, though, what we talked about probably should have been lost. Wouldn't you say so, Dan? Well, I was going to say, I actually have got my answer prepared for what we were discussing, and I'm, I'm prepared to, to share it with it. Now we can recap if you want. Okay, yeah. So, these are the answers I had. It was uh, yes, maybe, possibly, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell no, you did not just say that. Are you freaking kidding me? You guys are talking about that of all things? Are you kidding me? Good Lord Almighty, what the heck are you thinking? I don't know why I don't know why I decided to come on this thing. I do not understand how you talked me into this. Okay, now Will's fault. Now you explained your point. I understand what you're trying to say, and um I I may have overreacted a little bit, and I I see your point. I, I concede that you um you are correct, sir. Now's our recap. What were we talking about in between? You guys got to figure that out for yourselves. <laughs> we, can't do all the, we cannot do all the work for you people. You people have to do a little something for yourselves. <laughs> hey, that's right. We're talking about writing, so use your imagination. Well, um, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm Dan Johnson, and I haven't have not got a, a right right tail in my head. So, um, we're talking about we were talking about writing. We're talking about comics, and I think we were talking about Empire Comics Lab, which uh, is one of the companies that I'm associated with as a uh, editor and head writer. Um, I do cemetery plots, um, which is if you're familiar with like the old EC comic books or the creepy and eerie magazines, we're along those veins. We're a black and white horror publication. We have different writers, different artists who work for us. Uh, my associate Will has lettered some stories for us, including uh, one of my stories that was in the uh, second issue. Absolutely, and I've learned a little bit in action. Well, well, one story in action apology as well by Empire. Yes, yes. Actionology is our sister publication. It's more like superhero and action comics. But uh, we're mainly just a ragtag group of uh, writers and artists that got together. Who um, we, we were we were joined together because we wanted to do um, comic books. We wanted to create comics, and we have a love for it. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just it. Uh, we were actually challenged by a good friend of ours to make comics. He was like, you guys are always talking about wanting to make comic books, and you guys always are talking about how if you just had a shot, it's like, why don't you make your own opportunities? Why don't you go out there and make something for yourself? And that's how uh, that's how Bar Comics Live got started. And, uh, Cemetery Plus was our first publication, and that was actually a suggestion I had made. I said, why don't we do a horror anthology? Because horror always sells, and we were looking for something to do cheap, and we thought black and white would be best. And the weird thing about horror is black and, black and white lends itself to the horror genre more than just about any of the other stuff. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense to me. Like, Yeah, as you go back to the, the classics, you know, like with well, Long Chaney or like, you know, the, the old ones like Nosferatu and all mm-hmm. that. Like, if you can evoke that kind of tone, I, yeah. I feel like that. Or like Vincent, well, I think I, think you, I saw a post you made on the, was it Vincent Price? The other day on Facebook, I think. Oh yeah, love love Vincent Price was uh, one one thing I 
I, my schedule doesn't allow me to watch a lot of television these days, but when I do uh, Saturday night, it's usually Swingoolie. That's, that's the one night I unplug the phone, unplug the computer. And I just, I just kick back with the classic monster movies. Nice. And Vincent Price is definitely one of my favorites. He is one of the, one of the actors that uh, I grew up as a kid and was like a hero. Yeah. I just think of, I believe I saw him in some of the older movies before I, I ever saw Edward Scissorhands. And mm-hmm. I finally saw that. <clears throat> um, like I've seen The Fly, the old classic The Fly. Yeah. That would make a good comic book. <laughs> you guys that could do a riff on, on The Fly. <laughs> He's yeah, I'm 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 glad I'm glad Price. Um I, I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge Tim Burton fan. Um Burton I, I think has made some of the best He's made some of the best movies, and he's also made some of the worst remakes of all time. <laughs> I, I, I think if he's going to make something, he needs to make something original and stay away from the remakes. But mm. I, I bless him because of the fact that uh, he helped make people aware of who Vincent Price was to Edward Scissorhands. Mm. And also, with Ed Wood, uh, people began to understand who Bela Lugosi was and have a bigger respect for him, I think. I need to see that movie. I still haven't. I, I've heard about it over the years, like I think it was like in uh, interviews with Johnny Depp and such, but uh, have not caught that one yet. It is, it is amazing. Martin Landau is uh, Bella Lugosi is fantastic, and Bill Murray is um, is great in it too. I mean, anything with Bill Murray is pretty awesome too. Have you seen that? Well, seen this. Ah, hey, well, there we go. There's an episode idea. We need to watch Ed Wood and do a review. Yeah, <laughs> Ed Wood. That's uh-huh. a movie. Yeah, it's the name of the movie. Yeah, he was a, what was it, a kind of a B-movie producer in, Ed, uh, Ed back in a, Hollywood in the day? Ed, Ed Wood has the distinction of being one of the worst movie directors of all time. And in all honesty, I don't, if you think of some of the stuff he's done, it's not as bad as a lot of people say it is. I mean, I, I've, I've seen worse directors. The problem was he didn't have any money. That's, I mean, he was making things on a shoestring budget. Uh I always tell people if you want to see bad, look at look at like Mano's hand debate. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one or not. I've not. I've not. <clears throat> um, make sure make double double check it if you watch it uh, because it has been confused for like a snuff film several times. Oh, it yeah. is. It, it looks no. It looks it looks terrible. It is. It's one of is one of these films that was made. As I understand it, the producer did it to win a bet that he could produce a film. Bet didn't say he had to make a good film, just that he had to make a film. <laughs> And it is just, it's a mishmash uh, of just, it's, it's like amateur hour, people, actors, directors, writers, and it's a, it's a mess. And Mystery Science Theater rescued it from obscurity. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they, they brought that back on, was it Netflix? Mystery Science Theater? I think it was yeah. Cool. yeah. Oh, 3,000? I love that. Yeah, 3,000, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, big fan. I, I like the I like the original series a little bit better. The new one's all right, but it's the new the new one. It kind of reminds me. It's like when the the hip kids in school are like, "Hey, we like this thing. We're gonna we're gonna come to your comic book shop because we are comic books are cool and Magic the Gathering's awesome. We're gonna we're gonna be the hip kids on there." And it's like we didn't invite the hip kids, man. <laughs> we like it when it's our own little nerdy corner of the world. <laughs> I haven't seen the new one. I know about it, but. I, I like I like that Joel Hodgins is back, but it's just it's it's too slick and too Hollywood. I think it's just it look it looks too good, and that was half the charm of the original series. I mean, it was made out in uh, Minnesota 
out of a warehouse and it, it, it's like it's like Mike Nelson described as a as a you know it's a cow and puppet show basically. So, but it, I like it, that I like that shtick of of like having like the little side commentators like as the movie's playing. Like, yeah, you know, so many other people have copied it and done riffs on it. Like I think of Lion King one and a half. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, they, yeah. they did that. Of course, it makes me think of. Uh, Oh dang it! What's the two old guys on the Muppet Show? What's their name? Stadler. Oh, Stadler and Warburg. War Warburg, Wald Waldorf, Waldorf. Yeah, Stadler and Wald. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite memes. It's it's them in the box with Mystery Science Theater guys down in the audience looking at them. It's like oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. They'll let anybody in the theater these days. <laughs> they let us in. Oh, oh, oh no. The only the only thing about it is. The guys who do Mystery Science Theater, they they are really good at. There, I've seen a lot of folks who have tried doing that and making fun of the movies. It's not it, it's an art form in itself. I mean, it's it's not as easy as a lot of people seem to think it is. Yeah, yeah, because you you want to in some ways you want to enhance the experience. You don't want to take away from it. So it's like right. <laughs> and one of the things I liked about Mystery Science Theater is. There's a lot of jokes that I got and I saw in college, and it took me a while to, to get them. When I, you know, took multiple screenings, realized, okay, and now I know what they're talking about. And that's that's funny on a whole different level. <laughs> nice. So. Like Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, they went there. Wow, that went over my head as a kid. So. Yeah. <laughs> you heard you heard, the, you heard the theory about Story Story Two, the Story Story Two, right? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. What? Uh, was it uh, Jesse, the, uh, the cowgirl doll? Uh-huh. There's a theory that her owner was Andy's mom. Hmm. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I've not heard that theory. Yeah. The song always makes me sad, though. It it's does. Like all the, all the Toy Story movies are, especially number three. Number three was such a sad film. and then. Yeah. Yeah. It was very bittersweet ending yeah for sure and there was number four yeah 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 that was good actually i, I like that my kids love it they've, they've seen all four of them now i'm just I making thought... sure we're not confusing three or four <laughs> no I, I liked both of those like three is definitely uh basically a, a parody of uh, the great escape yeah uh, uh, which i don't know if you've seen that will but uh it's a old classic 60s movie that uh had a bunch of stars in it like a bunch of big actors at the time oh yeah i saw the escape film with arnold schwarzenegger and, and uh sylvester stallone <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite the right one. oh man we should do a review of predator someday that would be that would be fun okay. do some like sci-fi horror type stuff there sort of i guess it's sort of or sci-fi action i guess but yeah I, 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 I classify it as a sci-fi horror, yeah. Yeah, I, well, that's true. It is pretty gruesome. So, so, yeah, I think that fits. And you've got, when you've got, uh, was it flayed corpses hanging in the trees? Like, that's, that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty horror-esque. <laughs> you, you, guys need to do, you guys need to do the trilogy. You need to do Rocky IV, Predator, and uh, was it uh, Happy Gilmore? It's all, all the films where uh, <laughs> Carl Weathers has. Ah, yes. 
Carl, Carl Weathers has lost a life or lost a limb to somebody in a in the film. And then, and then you got to catch him in the Mandalorian after that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> was, how much time you got to we talk about Mandalorian? Because that's that is. Oh man. That that is that is the thing that uh, I, I I always tell people. People were talking about I I I bitched about Star Star Wars for was popular. I was writing about Return of the Jedi back when it first came out. I was like, okay, you build a second Death Star. And the plot is you got to destroy the Death Star again. <laughs> really? <laughs> and you're using teddy bears to fight the Empire. Really? No, I no, I, I I was a trendsetter. I was bitching about it back in '83 when nobody else was. But uh, Mandalorian that that is the that's the thing that saved my love of Star Wars. That was the mm. one that brought me back to the tribe and said, Great. "Yeah, this is this is the magic of, of this universe." Yeah, it was it was really good. John John Favreau and his his crew did a awesome job with that. Uh, yeah, I haven't they, heard I haven't heard if they're doing season three. Are they doing a season three? Oh yeah, three. nice. The the mouse needs money, so they're they're definitely making <laughs> yeah. three. Oh man, what, what is it? Come on, we need a cow. Come on. So you still got that? Uh, you you can sleep later. We need the we need the show. Come on, speed it up. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, well, I'm sorry. Gonna I accidentally interrupted you. You, you put me on a camera, man. I'm going to talk. I'm sorry. I'm not going to talk. Cool. Anymore. Hey, Mick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just going to pick on you, Dan, ask if you still had that Grogu doll you dress up. <laughs> a Grogu? Yeah, I've got him. I've, I've still got Grogu. Called him. <laughs> So, uh, one of the companies we did, uh, Golden Kid, um, a very good friend of mine, uh, actually made us some Golden Kid gear, and oh, cool, cool. she made us a Golden Kid T-shirt and hat for the little Grogu action figure that I've got. <laughs> so, nice, nice. We're talking, we're talking, again, this is for COVID. We were talking about taking him out to conventions because uh, um, you put you put Baby Yoda out. The people, oh, yeah. people, people love Baby Yoda. There's all, no, it's, it's just he's he's like a magnet. <laughs> What is, what is what is Yoda's race, by the way? I'm trying to remember if that was ever spoken, like the name they, of his race. They've never said. That's uh, I, I heard Lucas saying something about he never wanted to have other beings from Yoda's race. Of course, you got Yaddle in the the prequels, so you did see another Yoda being. You're not quite sure if that's like their love child or a what. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Could be. Could be. Maybe they'll reveal that in season three. Maybe. It's very possible. Well, I'm just, I haven't. I'm just sorry I that. No, I was going to say, I'm just sorry that uh, Gilbert Godfrey passed away because I thought he'd be the perfect voice for Grogu, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Where are we going? <laughs> hey, Mando, can we get some food back here? Come on. I need a frog. <laughs> Uh, this sounds like a uh, bad lip sync uh, Star Wars video that would. Sky oh up. man, I love I love those, uh, especially the uh, I love the mute the music videos too. Like, have you seen all those, Dan? Like, oh, but, bad bad lip reading, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, the one with Yoda, I think, is probably the best. Like, did you ever see the one they did for Game of Thrones? Yeah, the uh, was it medieval fun time land or something? Like that? Yeah. Actually, I, I've never I've never seen Game of Thrones. Um, I, I didn't have HBO when it first came out, and 
I want to see. I want to see that movie before I see Game of Thrones. I want, I want to see that that film. I want to see it as like an '80s teen comedy film. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah, the actual like if someone actually made Medieval Fun Time Land. Yeah, that would be. I think it'd be great, man. You get you get most of the guys from Revenge of the Nerds. You get Booger in there as like uh, like a ticket taker or something. Man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I quote. Uh, I've quoted that one a number of times. Like. I think the the two phrases that get a lot of mileage in our house is stank booty. I didn't know you had stank booty. Yeah. And the other is psych. <laughs> oh man. I'm it's, it's it is one of those shows I need to sit down and watch because everybody talks about how great it was except for the last season. But uh, yeah, I've seen parts of the first two seasons. Like it, it's it's definitely depressing, so I uh, probably don't recommend binging it. <laughs> yeah. You, you might, I, you might be like story. stuck in your house for the next week. You're like, oh, everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I've heard. I've heard it's. I've, I've heard don't get attached to characters because they will they will get killed off. And I I know they've got Aquaman, they got Mando, they got Iron Fist. It seems like everybody was in that thing. Oh really? I didn't know Pedro Pascal was in there. That's that's cool. I think I think I think it was yeah. Hmm. I've seen the meme about uh, wearing the helmet or something like that. So. Uh-huh. I'll have to look that up. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, as long as it went on, like I'm sure they had a number of guest stars that are in other big things now, or like, uh, well, obviously one of the, was it one of the Starks is like she's like Jean Grey now in the X Men movies, or yeah, I think she's a Stark. Well, then Doctor I guess Who. technically she's she's dead now, right? Because the last one, didn't she die? It's the Dark Phoenix one. I, I oh no, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> trying to remember. No, no, she survives in the okay. end. If you look in the sky, spoiler. That's okay. <laughs> flies overhead. They just they just like, killed Mystique, which uh, screwed with the timeline. Yeah, so like like wait, Ian McKellen doesn't have his girlfriend now. Like, how, where did she come from? Oh, Will, I'm I'm doing your thing, Will. Xavier. Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellar. These timelines are so confusing. <laughs> well, Diana, I haven't gotten the ten-minute warning here, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how long we've been recording, but I suppose because the next segment you're talking about the difference between gratuitous and necessary, we should at least mention it for like thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think we we're talking about um, comics and a yeah. need for more kids kid-oriented comic books yes yes yeah and i think did we talk about the your literacy work in that segment too i was trying to remember or was that i, I know of... i know i know we touched on it i i can go over it again if you like yeah like I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was in the third segment that we got more into that oh, it's been lost to the ether did you rewatch the first segment to know what he talked about didn't talk about yeah i know we did not talk about the literacy work that you've done in the first segment, but um, I've not yet rewatched the the third segment, so I'm not totally sure. Okay. But, uh, but definitely the I, I, like I watched it to see how it began, so it's could get an idea of the transition at least. Sure. Yeah. Well, I I mean I don't mind talking about it again because you mean I I think it's very important. Uh, it's one of the things I think that's hurting the comic industry now is that the industry isn't looking to get 
new uh, new readers. Hmm. I think I think it's a big problem. I know they have free comic book day, which is great, but they need to be more active. This is one day out of a, one day out of uh, three hundred sixty-five. I think and, they're doing free Halloween comics now. Yeah, they are. They are. But it's just they they need to have. I mean, DC has like. The Looney Tunes comics, I think it's bi-monthly, and the Scooby-Doo comics, which I have to admit are really quite good. And the, the Scooby-Doo comics, the ones they've done, have been like uh, very kid-friendly versions of the superheroes. And the Batman one they did, where they had the uh, had them teaming up with Batman at different times, was really really good too. Um, I know they I know they were pushing the young adult novels at one time, and. I I just thought those things looked like a, a mess. The um, the Gotham High with uh, it was written by one of the it was um, one of the uh, young adult writers. You Apparently, don't love Triangle with Batman and Joker. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be. They 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 cast Bruce Wayne as uh, Crazy Rich Asians had come out, so they had Bruce Wayne as a Asian uh, rich kid. Uh, Selena Kyle as a Latina bad girl and Joker as the class uh, class clown, literally. <laughs> and it was like a love triangle thing going on. And it's one of the worst ideas is this whole thing about, no, it's, it's one of these bad ideas where it's like, we want the prequel. It's like, we, we want to see these characters before they became Batman and Captain. Yeah, yeah. It's like, do you really? Do you really want that? I mean, we got Gotham, and Gotham, Gotham worked okay. Small, Smallville did okay too, but it's like if you're lucky, Small, Smallville I thought was like ninety percent CW teen drama, and the ten percent when they got the Superman mythos right, yeah, they nailed funny. it. They nailed it. You are yeah, I think I, a big fan of that. How many people want to see that kind of stuff? They want to. They want to see these characters in action. They want to see them in costumes. They want to see them as they know them. And sometimes backstories aren't necessarily a good thing. Sometimes a little mystery is is a good thing to have. I mean, we we don't know about the. We don't need to know about how Bruce Wayne and Jack Napier were classmates for like four years and. <laughs> Only became rivals at the very end. It's like, yeah, Batman still doesn't know who he is. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? There's three Jokers. (laughs) Who are you? Oh, that's like. I'm surprised they didn't have Harley in there. You know, he's like, you see Jack walking down the hall. He's like, Harley. Uh-oh. Did it get canceled? If it didn't get canceled, they eventually get it. <laughs> get her in yeah. there. Well, well, the book, she's the book got her own series now. I've only caught bits and pieces of it. I don't know if you guys have caught much of it on HBO Max. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's actually very funny. Um, oh, the Harley Quinn series. Yeah, it's it's one of it's one of I'm 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 not I'm not a purist to the point where I'm like you can't do R-rated superheroes. That's that's wrong. You can't do a dirty version of batman or superman you can if you're if you're on a, if you know it's a parody if you know it's a joke and i think that's one of the shows that actually works because it's it's very funny um i i love the i love the um oh god was it the dr psycho character it's like the guy terrorizes downtown he's killing civilians 
but he calls Wonder Woman the C-word and he gets canceled. Uh, and I'm just like, okay, so that's 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 the line. It's like, we got Lex Luthor talking about, you know, we, we believe in evil, Psycho. We believe in advocating darkness and evil, but you know, there's certain lines we just don't cross, and this PC era, we just can't have you saying things like that to women. It's like, no, it's, it's wrong. And I'm just, I'm busting a gut going, oh my God, they get it. They get just how ridiculous um, PC culture can be sometimes. It's like, I'm more concerned about him like killing people than saying a word he shouldn't say. I mean, both are wrong, but it's like, one's here, one's up there. <laughs> yeah, I think killing civilians is up there. <laughs> I think um, having just like, I went for several years, uh, like after getting married, several years of like, not because I was necessarily trying to purposely, I just was off of social media. I wasn't really doing anything on it. And only in the last year or two started getting back in and just seeing a, a lot of that. And, and like when it, sometimes it's the, like when it gets kind of twisted in with the social justice stuff, you know, it, it takes on this, this, this new life that can, it can just get really nasty sometimes. And, uh, and I think some of it is like, I've noticed like not to bash younger people or anything, but I've just noticed like when you're, you know, when you're in your early twenties, like most of us, like we're, we're looking for a cause, we're looking for something important to latch onto. But if you, you know, if you've been living a lot of your life online, you know, from like age 10, 11, the last 10 years, it's like, like you live in that space so like so like that's like well, i describe it like <clears throat> um but i'd wager like given just how human bodies interact in person most of the time like they probably wouldn't say a lot of the same things you know adults too but like you know if you were hanging out with people in person or even like this where you're seeing someone face to face you know it's just it's just different it's different but, um, the threat of not getting punched out for saying something is giving a lot of people a little bit of false bravado, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. yeah. I thought of that too. Is like if, I, if I wasn't willing to say this in front of someone who could potentially fight me for it, then why am I saying it online? <laughs> yeah. No, my, uh, my... On your computer screen. <laughs> I, the way I was raised, I was always taught that, you know, your, your words have consequences and mm. that's why i was always told don't talk about people behind their back don't say anything about them mm. and if you're going to if you're going to address something uh choose your words wisely there's a difference there's a difference between me coming to you and saying look um i think what you said and what you did was wrong i think you need to take a step back and be coming up and saying what the hell were you blankety blank thinking right there you stupid blankety blank blankety blank blankety blank One's going to get you punched. One will get you calmed down a little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, and I, I think that's one of the big things that worries me sometimes is that there isn't, it's like, okay, I'm a hermit by nature. I, I like being on my own. I like being by myself. But at the same time, too, I understand the need for human interaction. I think there is a need more for that. I think uh, it, it's great. We can do an interview like this online and it's wonderful. But there isn't anything quite like human interaction. I think we need more of that sometimes. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, speaking for myself, just because I, I, I realize, like, I see the direction that society is going. I know, like, 
we're not really going to be able to do business without being attached, at least in some way, to social media, to the internet. Like you have to be connected in, to, at some level because it's such an integral part of how society operates now. But I also see this, in a sense, a, a counter or a cultural response to that, where there's an emphasis on connecting in person more and like doing like like meetup is a cool example it's like a fusion of those two where it's it's an online tool but it helps to facilitate people hanging out in person you know and scheduling things to hang out in person and um so yeah i think there's there's a balance you can find i I guess with the two and i'm I'm trying to find that sweet spot and it's tough sometimes because i get on that instagram feed and it's just like (laughs) and i catch myself I'm like, oh, dang it. I even watched The Social Dilemma, so I know what's happening right now, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, I think it's easy to write off people and say, well, look, um, I, you voted for this guy or you voted for that person and you believe this and I believe that. And you know what? I, I'm just going to cut you out of my life. I mean, I, I've had friends that have blocked me mm. on Facebook because they perceived what my political beliefs were. And I'm like, you, you don't know what my political beliefs are. You don't know what I believe. I, I don't share them that much on, on Facebook. Uh, I try to have like a safe zone online. It's like you come to my page, it's goofy, fun, geeky stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, if, uh, if I do share my political opinions with you, it's obviously because I trust you. And I just ask you to respect my opinion in the same way I respect yours. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are people out there I don't agree with. There are people out there that have political views that I think are totally skewed and wrong. But this is uh, this is a free society, and that comes with being having to respect the other guy's personal opinion. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I was listening to a podcast earlier today talking about um, from kind of more from a legal perspective, like free speech. And the First Amendment and how how that's being applied legally right now, like in the in the realm of social media and how the government is interacting with social media companies and like we're kind of writing the future in a sense right now, like figuring out how we're going to regulate this going forward, how we're going to treat it, and it's um, it's kind of I mean it's unique in a lot of ways, like um, so just but yes, yeah, it's. it's we need to have those discussions. So it's like we do. And I, I've got I've got some friends of mine that um, like with the Twitter debate. They're talking about who should have a voice on Twitter and who shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but there are some people out there sometimes that I notice them. They'll sometimes be very much, yeah, we need to do this. We need to pull the trigger on this, and we need to make this happen now because we need to shut those guys up. And the problem is they don't understand that the pendulum swings yeah. and there's going to come a day when they're going to be those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the problem is, is that when you put laws and regulations into place, they don't understand that these things don't magically vanish when you're, your guys in power, they're going to be, I mean, getting, getting rid of laws and regulations that the government passes that gives them power and getting rid of positions that are made by government by the government is like near impossible. They're, they're going to be there forever. They're going to be like yeah. a rash on grass. They're going to be there and you're not going to get rid of them. <laughs> and eventually it's going to get to a point where your guy is no longer in power anymore. And you're going to have to deal with the consequences when someone else has them. 
Yeah. No, it's very true. Yeah, I think even politicians can be guilty of that sometimes of not looking at the big picture. They're just thinking about, you know, what do I need to do to get elected next cycle kind of thing sometimes. And um, short-term thinking, you know, it's regardless of what your party is, it's not a good thing. I'm I'm a firm believer. I I, I went with what the founding fathers used to have. They... They never saw themselves as senators or governors or mayors. They saw themselves, I'm, I'm the town blacksmith or I'm the town silversmith. I just have to serve politics once in my lifetime and I go back to my regular job. Yeah. I'm also one of these guys that says, get, get the nearest phone book, if you can find the phone book these days. Start calling people up saying, you want to be a president? First one that says, <laughs> no, I, I couldn't do that. You got the job because you know what? You don't think you could do it right. <laughs> You probably do it better than a lot of folks who have, have had the position. So. Well, we're coming up. Uh, there is a timer now. We got about two and a half minutes left. Um, wow. I didn't mean to get political there, right? guys. I oh no, that's okay. It's okay. Like uh, we have sold this, like, like it's okay with like serious stuff. It's okay if it comes up organically, like like in the show. Like yeah, we kind of similar to what you were saying with your Facebook page. We do want. I think this podcast to kind of be like a haven of, of like entertainment and yeah, not too uber serious. Um, like I, I know mean, I can oh, go ahead. Well, you know, is this a much di- different interview than the footage we lost last night? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Well, I guess maybe in the last minute and a half, we can jump into the gratuitous necessary. <laughs> so so that there's actually somewhat of a trend, you know, artificial though it may be at this point. Uh, yeah, transitions like jump in and, and put us back on comics and try to fill in all the stuff we lost from last night but you know i was like well this is organic we're having fun you know just leave it alone yeah yeah no it's it's good like um is that just just with the gratuitous thing like how would you say you walk the line with that dan with the, the horror comics that you work on i figure my, my way of looking at it this way i i i'm proud of the fact that i write stories for kids and i'm probably i write stories that adults can enjoy it's knowing your audience um it's knowing who the story is going to be intended for there's stuff that i would never write in a kid's comic book and there's a lot of stuff i would never use in a harper comic unless i thought it was absolutely positively necessary for the story Hmm. um i i will say that as far as like what's considered politically correct i figure two genres that should never be off limits should be horror and comedy. Because, uh, like I said, I mean, the stuff out there is going to scare the hell out of you. Isn't always going to be politically correct at times. So. Yeah, and same with comedy. We we need the court jesters out there. Yeah, but the main thing is just know who your audience is, know who you're writing for, and just uh, let your conscience be your guide. Know, know what's too much. And if you think it is too much, ask people to take a look at it, get their opinions on it. And if enough people say you should cut this, then cut it. So. I think that's a good. Joker here, bringing April cheer. Today's podcast is brought to you by Joker's Laughing Fish. Come on, you've got to try one. There to die for. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
All right, we're back. So Dan's going to continue his thought from the previous segment here. Well, as I, as I as I pointed out to several people before, uh, like I said, Roland Man's one I really, really, uh, when I talked to him, it really all came, came together. Uh, it's different between what's considered gratuitous and what's considered necessary for a story. Um, what I did was I told him about my favorite G-rated film of all time. Will, Will may have heard this already. I have, but I forgot. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it is it is a it is a G-rated movie, and it contains at least uh, two scenes of uh, rear male nudity. Oh, I think I know what this is. <laughs> it also contains a scene of uh, characters being shot on screen, oh. blood included. <laughs> there is a scene of several dead humans uh, piled up like cordwood. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with a character that's been lobotomized. Oh, maybe uh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> there, There's a scene with a uh, character that was killed and stuffed and mounted like a trophy. Ooh. Uh, there is also a scene where the main character is threatened with emasculation, not once, but twice. And also threatened with the uh, vivisection. And the grand topper of it is, is that the Lord's name is taken in vain in the very last scene. Mm. And it's a G-rated movie. That, that wouldn't be something connected to uh, uh, Looney Tunes. Was what? <laughs> no, no, I, actually, actually, it's not. It's not. I have this memory of a of a G-rated movie that had a bunch of cursing in it. It was about Christopher Columbus. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's the one. Actually, it's the original Planet of the Apes. Okay, okay, that was my first thought. Right, then, right. then you mentioned lobotomy, and I was like, "Wait, I don't remember a lobotomy scene." But yeah, when you mentioned the rear male nudity, I was like, "Oh yeah, Planet of the Apes had that." Yeah, I was watching it, and all of a sudden, you see Charlton Heston running across buck naked. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's the scene where uh, where they're looking for one of the one of the other astronauts and landed with Taylor, and he realizes that uh, he's been lobotomized. Oh. The thing about it is, is that that's one of those films that you mentioned it to people, and they're like, "I don't remember the nudity, or I don't remember the violence, or." <laughs> I don't remember all that. And it's all because every element in that story was necessary to tell that story. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. not have told Planet of the Apes without... Well, you probably, you, we probably didn't see Charlton Hudson's ass, but... <laughs> but for some of the guys, too. I don't, I don't go. It's okay. Um, but I remember, I remember Heston fighting for the GD at the end of the film. Um, oh, yeah. When he asked a line about, uh, you know... You blew it up, you know, you, yeah. you blew up you maniacs. Oh, maniacs. And he, he actually fought for the line. He went to the studio and said, he's not saying God damn as a swear. He's literally asking God to damn humanity for mm. its stupidity and for what it did. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's contextual. It, that's, that's the whole thing. And this is back in the day when the rating system was actually set up to be, it wasn't just, well, you've got so many, you know, naked women or so many curse words and you got gunshot and everything. It's like they actually looked at it and said, okay, we're going to pass as a G because it's necessary for the story. You cannot tell the story without those elements there. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is with comics. It should be. You, you can't tell the story of Spider-Man without uh, Uncle Ben being killed. Yeah. Spoiler for anybody out there who's just coming into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you haven't paid attention to Spider-Man for the last 60 years, sorry. Think about it. I mean, the the greatest, one of the greatest superhero comics of all time, Superman. It starts with the destruction of an entire planet. True. Uh, Batman. You don't get Batman without Bruce Wayne's parents being murdered. 
Mm -hmm. And again, those are elements that are absolutely necessary. Uh, Watchmen. You can't tell Watchmen without the violence or some of the sex. Mm. We can tell uh, without uh, without Blue Man Group swinging in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe Why without uh, maybe without Mr. Manhattan's uh, appendage. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan and his blue electric wing. Yes. <laughs> I, want, I want to start a band just so I can call it Dr. Manhattan's blue electric wing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. You should uh, get Billy Crudup uh, to to come and uh, play Doctor Manhattan just for the music video. Well, I, I had a, I had a former friend of mine that actually got uncomfortable with that, and I'm like, "Does an electric blue wing?" Oh man, well, well, tell him tell him not to watch the HBO Max uh, sequel series. Then there's a little bit more wing in that one. <laughs> well, the thing is, he's like, "What's it necessary?" It's like, "Why does he got to walk around naked?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> I asked him. I said, have you ever gotten out of the shower and saw a cockroach?'" And says, yeah. Did you cover yourself up? He says, no. Why? Because it's cockroach. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, look at us. We're, we're not significant enough to worry about. That's a uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not significant enough. That's the thing. Yeah, and he's like, he's just on a whole other level of consciousness, too. He's like, what does nudity matter? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. By the way, listeners, if you haven't seen the HBO Max series, I recommend it. Uh, but only for mature audiences. So take your toddlers. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but it's excellent. It's excellent. Likewise, the movie. Movie is one of the best adaptions of a comic book story I've ever seen in my life. I think it's one, I think I, th- I think it's really well done. And it's it's the best version we could have gotten. Mm. The, the only thing that would have been different was I was kind of hoping at the time they would have done more. I, I wish it had been made at a time when they were like taking books and like splitting up into three movies because it really deserved to be a three part film. You just can't mm. get everything in like two hours. That's interesting. Like, yeah, I've heard a lot of people rag on it, but like I thought, like I've read the, the graphic novel and I, I thought it was pretty faithful to the, the graphic novel from what I could tell. Like, yeah. yeah like, and Jackie, Jackie Earl Haley is Rorschach. That's like one of the best oh, yeah. characters ever. I mean, he, he nailed that character so perfectly. Yeah, he's he's intense. Like almost anything he's in, which I've only seen him in a couple of things, but like, yeah, he he plays very uh like broken characters. That's kind of his thing. That actually started with Bad News Bears. Mm, okay, believe it or not, Jackie Earl Haley is in the original Bad News Bears. Ah, okay, you're a chance to actually did an episode of Shazam, the old uh, Captain Marvel series in the '70s. He actually made a guest star appearance on that. <laughs> ah, interesting. He did a did a voice for that. Huh? Actually, no. Actually, it was a live action. The live action. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I haven't seen it. It's on Tubi. You can watch it for free. It's I highly recommend it. Ooh. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, um, well, Dan, uh, oh, I guess was, wasn't important. I think that the guy who played Billy Bats or something recently came to a con, but I don't know if that was one in our state that you attended. I don't know. I saw it. Oh, I, I got interviewed. I got a chance to interview him and John David. When That's right. Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's right. Nice. Super nice guys. You, you cannot ask for two better guys. They are just the best. And that's how I knew that show existed because I didn't even know that there was a live action Captain Marvel Shazam show until until uh, you got to interview. Well, I, I was on like four or five when it came on the air, so it's 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 an old one. Oh, that's cool. Is that interview in print or is it uh, up on online? You can you can actually online, find it okay. online. Yeah. Nice. It's on on YouTube under um, Phoenix Sisters uh, YouTube page. 
Okay. Okay. So you were like a guest interviewer for the Phoenix sisters or, or is that actually your page? Well, actually what it was, uh, a friend of mine, we, we did a virtual con when COVID first hit, mm-hmm. uh, because we were, we were a little disappointed that a lot of cons had to be shut down, including, um, Superman days metropolis. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, a virtual con would be great because it's an opportunity to kind of have a little bit of fandom online. And we started looking for guests. And I, I had been Facebook friends with John Davey for a while. And through him, I met Michael uh, and Joanna Pang, who was on the, the ISIS TV series. And uh, again, these are like three of the nicest people you could ever want to meet. They're just super, super cool people. Nice. Nice. Well, that's cool. Well, well Dan, we're going to we're going to close up here pretty shortly. Okay. Uh, is there anything you want to? want to plug or promote here in the last couple of minutes like website podcast youtube channel anything like that well i was gonna say if you guys want to check me out on facebook uh there's cemetery plots page uh, i'm not updating as much as i should i admit uh but hopefully we'll have some uh, announcements there about the cemetery plots number four soon mm-hmm. uh there's also uh the redline comic studio facebook page where we announce all the different projects that we're working on for redline as well as some independent projects that i'm doing um we do have uh, our first story that we sold, like I said, to Anarch Press. It's going to be in Planet Comics number 10. In fact, I think you can still order copies of it. It's going to be released uh, the end of August, the last, okay. last, uh, cool. last week of August. And uh, outside of that, uh, there is my first short story that was just published uh, from huh. Moonstone Publishing, first sold short story. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. It's the lead story in uh, Domino Patrick. Uh, Daughter of the Domino Lady. It's a lead story in there, and uh, that's just becoming available now, so you can order that through uh, Moonstone Books. Okay, nice. Well, Dan, um, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to to be with us tonight. Oh, no problem. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Will, is there anything you want to say as we close out here? Um... I could keep going for another 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I guess not. I was really glad to have you on, Dan. Uh, he's definitely a very good friend of mine, a bro. And uh, he's awesome and amazing. I can't wait to see you again. Uh, we've been talking about meeting up, but uh, we had made solid plans. So I hope so we can do that in the future. I still have your Christmas gift from 2019. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I'm sorry. COVID, COVID do everybody for oh. <laughs> COVID just threw everybody for a loop as far as having to cancel conventions, not getting together and such. And then, like, like I said, I, I, I started pushing for more projects because I needed something to keep myself busy and things just kind of exploded. And nice. the one, thing, one thing I learned during COVID is people need and want entertainment. So. That's oh, right. Yeah, definitely. So the Great Depression, comics boom. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff got started. Like, um, like even some celebrities got into the podcasting realm, for instance, like a uh, uh, Jason Bateman uh, and uh, what's oh Bateman. yeah Jason Bateman and uh, and some of his friends like started a podcast during the pandemic you know there's just other people um, so yeah it was like like a, a boon for for creativity in a lot of ways it seems yeah and the thing about it is now especially with indie comics is there's so many outlets out there I mean you, you don't have to go to a publisher anymore there's a lot of stuff out there you can do by yourself yeah you like put it straight on Amazon right a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that, or if you uh, do a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many outlets out there. The main thing is just uh, 
the, the best advice I can give to anybody is tell the stories you want to tell. Yeah. Tell what's personal to you. If uh, if you're your if you're the main audience initially and you entertain yourself, then you've you've accomplished what every creator should set out to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, the cherry on the cake is when someone else discovers it and loves it too. Mm-hmm. It's good advice. Yeah. Well, with that, Dan, I guess we'll we'll uh, say good night and uh, and thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. And, uh, night, bro. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do this again sometime and uh, uh, bring up a talk about a different topic. So we still got to talk about manga and anime. Yeah, yeah that yeah. would that would be great. That'd be great. I, well, I, we'll have to put that on the calendar, right? I, I want to talk about why the Japanese are in our lunch and why we probably deserve why we deserve to start because <laughs> we've done it to ourselves. Oh, <laughs> all right. And who are, who are Dan's top five uh, five white foods? Tune in next time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Number four will surprise you. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right. Anyway, guys, again, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much. It's been an honor. Will say hi to Mandy for me. I will. I will. Bro, like I said, we're gonna do we're gonna do uh, lunch soon. I promise. That'd be great, man. Bring Richard along. We'll introduce him to Pioneer. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I could have mentioned Pioneer, but I. <laughs> <laughs> we want people in the world to know our, our haunt and everything. We don't really haunt it. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't know where it's located at, so. I mean, they, they might rate it, you know, and want to get your autographs, you know, or our autographs. <laughs> like, you're the irreverent nerds. Oh. You're Dan. No. Uh, anyway, well, thanks, Dan. Uh, uh, until hey. we meet again. I was going to say, if you go into Pioneer and you ask for him, they'll be like, yeah, his fat ass is over there. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the one that's eating too much of the damn bacon. <laughs> there, get him. Yep. I, I want to be I want pioneer. If you have, I don't know if you've gotten this episode in Parks and Rec yet, but uh, Ron Swanson's famous, like, I want all the bacon and eggs you have. No, son, I don't think you heard me. I want to, I want all the bacon and eggs you have. <laughs> this place, this place has the best southern breakfast buffet you will find. Nice. And the great thing about it is, is up the, can, I, can, I, can I plug my favorite comic book shop? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And no, guys, no offense to anyone else hearing this. I apologize about this. You got to understand, this is this is my shop for the longest time. It's no offense to you guys. It's just this is my shop. God rest his soul. Uh, Mark Merrill, the guy who ran the shop, passed away last year. His son, mm-hmm. Kevin, running now at Stormcrow Comics in Archdale. Yeah. It's one of the best shops in the area. Mark Mark gave me the best deals on comics. Plus, you ever, saw, you ever gone to a comic book shop and you realize you were fated to be there? <laughs> I go in and I fill out I fill out a pool sheet. Mark looked at it and he said, You're born on March 15th, right? Yeah, 1970. Yeah. And it says, why? He said, I want to know what, what time were you born? The specific time I was, I think it was like in the AM. He said, okay, you're the old man. Because I was born at like seven seven something at <laughs> that same day, the very same day, same year. We we're just like <laughs> ten, 10 hours apart. Nice. Was that the father or the son? Father, uh, Mark, yeah. Like I said, he passed away unfortunately last year, but uh, unfortunately, mm. I, I heard about it. No, that's too bad. That's that's the other sucky thing about COVID too is there's so many friends that we lost, and oh yeah, that's one of the reasons I want to get back into cons and doing shop visits again because, like I said, there's just you know time. You never know what you what you got as far as time goes. That's true. Yeah, I cherish every moment, right? I'm leaving on something heavy. I didn't want to do that. So, <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, you guys have a great night, and thanks again, and. Uh, We'll do it again.
All right. Thanks, Dan. See you guys. All right, so, oops, that's not the right view. <laughs> are we still recording? <laughs> yeah, we are still recording. I don't know how to, oh, there, there we go. go. So, nerds, I uh, hope you enjoyed. Um, I just yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not muted. Okay. I muted him. But um, we hope you enjoyed uh, our interview slash conversation with uh, Dan Johnson, longtime friend of Will's, a prolific indie comic book writer and editor. And uh, so yeah, like check out, check out his, uh, his website, uh, follow him on Facebook, the whole nine yards, uh, go visit that comic book shop in Archdale. Yeah. What was the name of it again? Stormcrow. Stormcrow in I'd go Archdale. there more often if I lived closer to Archdale. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. And, um, Obviously, we, we plug our local comic book shops too, like uh, Sailfish here in Winston and then Burke Street Comics here in Winston. So, yeah, guys, um, that wraps. that's a wrap for today. Uh, this is a special episode. We're going to probably do interviews at, like this. Uh, we hope to do one, at least one a month, where we can have an interview with a, a local artist, a local writer, maybe comic book shop yeah. owner, you know, or, oh, yeah. Yeah, or even too. even rep from a publishing company, things like that. Like we want to really highlight uh indie comics and um and indie comic creators, uh, of whom Will is one, by the way. And um and he's got connections in that world as does Dan. So hopefully we'll be able to bring this to you guys on a regular basis. And um because of zoom we could probably get some people uh not local too that's true that's true yeah so if you're out there in the ether and you'd like to be featured send us a message like we're on instagram of course as you know at irreverent underscore nerd uh in fact and we now got a facebook fan page so just look up the irreverent nerds on facebook that's our that's our fan page just got up and running this past week so yeah you need to check it out up. you should look it up like i <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh someday we'll probably have a website i uh, don't have that up and running just yet but uh for now like we got our youtube channel and um and obviously our instagram you know the youtube is just irreverent nerd you know look it up uh, it's a pretty distinctive name so it should come up right off the bat as a channel to look at and um so weekly like this episode initially like the video version will only go up on spotify but then next Tuesday, we'll release it on our YouTube channel as well for those that want to check it out there. And uh, for everybody else listening on like Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, Reason.fm, wherever you listen, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, this is the audio version. So hopefully you still enjoyed it, even though you didn't get to catch the video until next Tuesday. But uh, of course, obviously, you can always go to Spotify if you really if you really want to see our beautiful faces. Spotify. And uh you know, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, next week, uh, uh, another friend of mine, Zach is coming and he's bringing a, possibly his brother, but definitely somebody who has as much appreciation for this as he does. He's going to come and talk with us about Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I look forward to that too. Yeah. Which something Will knows and loves as well. Yeah, Dragon Ball is uh, probably the anime they got me into uh, Japanese anime and manga in the 90s. Nice. I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I love uh, Kira Toriyama's cartoony style. And I am a novice when it comes to Dragon Ball Z, so they're going to, we'll probably do it something like, hey, 
I've never never watched a full episode of this, so pitch it to me. Like, why should I watch Dragon Ball Z? And I'm sure they'll have no problem telling me why. But uh, Zach's going to Zach's gonna come on, and we're going to yeah. do like a little roundtable discussion about Dragon Ball Z. I guess I'll be sort of the host slash uh, questioner, outsider. <laughs> I have a feeling the other three guys are going to all be like, oh, yeah, you remember that episode? And I'll be like, you can be the every every. I'll be the every man. That's right. I'll be the I'll be the audience, yes. just the audience representative for whatever. <laughs> so anyway, that's our that's coming next week. And uh, but in the meantime, look for uh, content on our Instagram page and uh, go check out our YouTube page and uh, look at our our back catalog of issues and uh, check them out. And I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who has. Whether whether you subscribed on our YouTube channel or followed us on Instagram or listened to our podcast, thank you so much. Uh, it's so encouraging. Like we're like we just have fun doing this, but it's also encouraging. Like we put some work into this, so like knowing that some people have have listened and appreciated it, or you know, and, and let us know. Let us know what you think. If you think we suck, let us know that too. <laughs> like just uh, you know, if if you think there's some things we can do to improve, um, we're open to constructive criticism. And you know, up to a point, obviously. You know, if you're like, oh, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Constructive criticism. Deconstructive. But anyway, but yeah, you can go to um, our anchor profile, anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd. Uh, you can send us a message there, an, an audio message, which we can include in a future episode. I'll figure out some way to get it in there. Um, you can also support us financially if you'd like to. Uh, we're not set up on Patreon, but this is sort of like Patreon. Like it's it's through Stripe and uh, it's in connection with Anchor.fm. So you can, yeah, that's right. And we're going to split it 50-50, obviously, because we're partners in this this mess. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can uh, you can support us there. And obviously you can support us just by listening to this amazing podcast, right? So, but anyway, thank you guys so much um, for for sticking with us. Like, obviously, if you're hearing with us, you stuck with us through the whole episode. So thank you. And uh, you'll hear from us again and slash see us again next week. Peace, fellow nerds. <laughs>